0: Hello and Welcome to The Reading Ramble. On this episode of the podcast we will continue with our series of conversations with the authors taking part in the exciting Lancashire Stories project. Lancashire Stories is an Arts Council England project grant funded scheme which will see Lancashire libraries working with Blackpool and Blackburn with Darwin libraries to commission 17 fantastic authors to write short stories about Lancashire. The finished book is going to be available for free, uh, printed and beautifully illustrated, or as an ebook. Make sure you check out our previous episodes to learn more about this project. On this episode, we meet Ines Grigori-Labarta, who will be telling us all about writing in a second language, her love for Lancaster and the upcoming Lancaster Lit Fest, and of course, about the story she is writing for Lancashire Stories. Uh, so we're here today with Ines Grigori-Labarta. Um, who is one of the um selected authors for lancashire stories who's going to be writing a story for the project hi Ines, how are you
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me here
0: oh, it's really great to talk to you um it's really exciting to have you as part of the uh, part of the project um and obviously you're coming at it from a different perspective but as not somebody that's a native lancashire uh you're born in the county. Um, do you want to give a bit of uh, uh, information about your your story um, um, and how you've come to be in Lancashire and what um, your background of writing is?
1: Mm, yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah, Lancaster is a very special for me actually because I feel I've been living here for seven years, and I would say Lancaster is the place where I truly became an adult. So it's been a very formative place for me. Very very important in my life, really, Um, because, um, you know, I started writing in Spanish when I was living in Spain. Uh, You you can tell possibly because of my accent. I'm from from Madrid (laughs) in Spain, and I've been writing there already for quite a while and published uh, three novels, actually, uh, with quite a big publishing house over there. And I was happy, but um, it just got to a point when I finished my university degree Um, and I started working in the radio as a journalist, that I came to (laughs) two realizations. Uh, The first one is that I love making up stuff, so journalistic writing is not the best, because (laughs) obviously, for obvious reasons, you have to try to be as neutral as possible and obviously report the truth, although, well, (laughs) we live in a time now that, you know, (laughs) with fake news and stuff, but... Um, the second realization was that uh, it was impossible for me to make a living in Spain doing what I loved, uh, even as a journalist, um, sadly, you know, we were really uh, hit hard by the economic crisis of 2008 in Spain, and I think the economy has never recovered since, and there was just no opportunities for me working in the arts and the humanities, like, zero, like nothing, like, literally, I had to just be, live with my parents, and You know, I've always loved uh, English and English literature. And I really, I have a very good experience living abroad in Ireland and in Scotland. When I did my, uh, like, an Erasmus year. Uh, So I thought, you know, I'm just going to go to England and I'm going to study creative writing. (laughs) So I did the, you know, what things. Um, And, you know, Lancaster University was one of the few universities who accepted me. Uh, to do anime and creative writing. And yeah, I remember I didn't know where I was going um, because Lancaster is, a, is called the city of Lancaster. You know, and I lived in Madrid and in Edinburgh before. So I was just imagining Lancaster was like something like that, you know, like Manchester. But <laughs> when I arrived to Lancaster and I see you know, it only has one main street, <laughs> I was terrified. I was just like, okay, I'm going to do the MA this year and then I'm going to be out of here as soon as I can. Well, seven years later, (laughs) I was still around because I loved it. And through that MA, uh, it was a very humbling experience to write in a second language. I went into it thinking, you know, yeah, I'll do this. And I remember the first creative writing workshop. It was devastating because nobody understood what I had written. (laughs) It was terrible. I think I was just trying to be really smart. I love, at that point, I really liked... uh, Modernism in literature, and I loved Virginia Woolf and James Joyce and things like that. And I was trying to emulate them, which of course went horribly wrong. Uh, and it just so it was really hard at the beginning, but by the end of it, I just you know, I just realized what a humbling and wonderful experience it is to write in a second language because you truly have to think so much about every single word you put on the page like the meaning, everything. Um, and I think that made. You know, I'm a much better writer in English than in Spanish because of that, I think. Um, And then since being in the UK, I was really lucky. I published a novel in English as well, what I wrote for my PhD, sorry, my master's degree, uh, called Mactavish Manor, which is a horror gothic (laughs) novella set in the highlands, which are my favorite place in the whole world. Uh, published another little novella in Spanish as well in 2017, and I have a new book that's going to get published next year, also also in English, uh, which is my PhD, which was part of my PhD thesis because I went to study a PhD at Lancaster University after the MA. Um, so I would say that's my writing career in a nutshell. I hope it hasn't been too confusing. <laughs>
0: no, not at all, um, and I can fully understand why you would fall in love with Lancaster. I went to university in Lancaster. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a place that's got, you know, a, a very important part, like place in my heart. Cause it's such a beautiful, yes. uh, interesting place where there's, there's always something going on. Um, yeah. I, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a great place. Um, so obviously you've, you've lived in various places around the UK and they'll all form some uh, part of you and of, of, um, makes you as a writer. Is there anything in particular about Lancaster and Lancashire that uh, has influenced the way you write?
1: Mm. I mean, yeah, I would say so many things. Because, you know, like, um, these last seven years, as I was saying, when I've been living here, at the same time, I've been also kind of creating my career as a writer and putting the foundations of it first through the MA, then the PhD, I would say one of the big things about Lancaster it's its literary community. Before coming to Lancaster, I never had a literary community. Um, in my experience in Madrid, and I come, you know, Madrid is a big city, it's the capital of Spain, but I, I, I remember trying to approach other writers who were more established than I was, but it never, I, you know, I never got anything back. Uh, I feel like in Spain, or at least my experience of it was that um, there was a lot of jealousy as well involved, as in like, you know, not like if someone gave an advice or if someone shared an opportunity with me, they were missing out on something, like there was not enough for everyone. Whereas I, my experience of the literary community here, and I'm talking about the, you know, the literary community around the creative writing department at Lancaster University, but also, you know, Lancaster Lit Fest as well, as which is a great organization, and I volunteered with them many years, and I'm now part of the, of the board of... I'm a board member now, basically, which I absolutely love. And everyone was so open and happy to help, and I met so many writers along the way who were so incredibly kind, some of them from Lancaster or other people who were based, you know, from somewhere else, but based in Lancaster, who, you know, just shared so much wonderful information with me along the way, and kind of showed me that, you know, writing it is a career, you can make it. And, yeah, it can happen, it's not a secret club where just you know there you see people there but you don't know how to join and no, like it's totally doable, it's hard it's hard to pay all your bills just with your writing but um, <laughs> but there is a lot of joy as well in it and I feel like I found that in I found all that in Lancaster, which to me basically I think if I hadn't moved here, I don't think I would be a writer or maybe I would do it a bit on the side but I don't think I've never got the courage to even call myself a a writer, to be
0: honest. Obviously, this this project, Lancashire Stories, is um, about writing short stories and sharing short stories. Is that something that, as a medium, you um, gravitate to, or do you prefer the novel as a form? And I suppose as a sort of second part of that question, do you find it more challenging or less challenging to write short stories?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, maybe I have a students listening to this because I also teach creative writing, actually. I'm a lecturer, <laughs> which I still don't understand how it happened. But, hey, um, so I hope my students are not listening to this. Uh, I find short stories super hard, I have to say. Um, but I love reading them, and I'm i, I mean, starting to enjoy writing them. I think I gravitate towards, long, like, Novels and novellas. I love novellas. I would say novella is my preferred form. It's not as long as a novel. It's shorter. But it, to a point, it has a complexity of a novel because you get to do a lot of character development and have a proper plot arc. Shorter stories I find really hard. And it's only s- since a couple of years ago, since finishing my PhD, that I started playing around with them. But um, but I love reading them as well. So see, So I really want to get better at the form. But I find it really difficult just because of what I said, because you have to be so precise, so economical. And I love plots and plot twists and strange things, you know. And you can't, I'm just, at least in my case, I'm discovering that in a shorter story, it's way less about the plot and more about an instant, a moment in the character's life, you know what I mean? So I'm having to kind of retrain my brain to <laughs> to do that. It's
0: uh, mm. interesting. In the previous uh, podcast that we released with David Hartley, uh, one of the other like, story writers, he was. Talking about how there'd been an article in one of the national newspapers about how short stories were having a bit of a a bit of a, a sort of increase in, in popularity both in terms of people reading them but also in the publishing world and that they were getting more attention and um, We were talking about um how what what some of the reasons might be for that and about what he thought about short stories and I quite liked the idea that um sh- with short stories your your audience has to infer things there's you can't mm. um, you can't be as obvious with things. You you, you can't over explain. Um, y- yeah, it's it's c- kind of on the audience to infer things and show their own understanding. Um, and that's something that I quite like about.
1: Yeah, and they can, It's like they can blow your mind. Like you can read something and be like, "Whoa!" in a short period of time. And some of them are just so incredible. Like I love, you know, Caris Davies, for example. I think she's a wonderful short story writer. Um, the Scottish author Kirsty Logan as well I mean Alice Munro was one of the first I went to read and I was just like wow (laughs) Uh, so you know I admire those who have really made great things with the short story.
0: When you're reading do you tend now to read in English or do you tend to read in Spanish or I know you, you speak in other languages as well?
1: Yeah, well, I speak. I used to be able to speak a very decent Japanese that Uh I haven't used in a while, studied at that university. And yeah, I would say that's my other language. And a tiny bit of Dutch, because my partner is Dutch. (laughs) Um, No, yeah, so I basically just read and write in English, almost exclusively uh, these days. And as I say, since living in Lancaster, I didn't really have any... Like close friends who are Spanish at all, and my partner is Dutch, um, so I would say to my shame that um, I've got to this point where, uh, you know, obviously my English won't ever be perfect because you know I'm not I'm not a native speaker, uh, but now, now my Spanish is not perfect either. It's terrible. My mom is a is a teacher at high school, um, a, a language teacher actually. So she's just like every time I send her like an email or a text, sometimes she's just like. What are they doing to you over there? Like this is not how you write in Spanish. <laughs> so I don't know. I think my brain is having broken.
0: <laughs> oh, that's excellent. Um I thought I was gonna ask you a little bit about process and about how you go about writing. Um so do you have any particular routines? Um obviously, you know, lecturing as well and, and having to do other th- do other things get in the way of writing uh, you know to a set routine all the time but do you try and set routines then
1: yeah yeah for sure i mean i had to do that while doing the with my phd uh, because um yeah i had to i worked part-time on the side as well to make ends meet and stuff so uh for me it, it's writing first thing in the morning i am a morning person um and i just write i just wake up really really early uh, at 5 a.m and i know people are gonna be like what And I'm not doing this because of some crazy productivity advice or like, I know because like CEOs are just talking about, oh, and I woke up at 5 a.m. and I go for a run and I write. I do it out of necessity, precisely because what you said, um, when you have a a day job that is not writing, um, I find that writing is so mental that if I don't write first thing, when my brain is still like clear, I can't do it after work because I work as a lecturer. So again, like it's very mental. I would say yes. Writing first thing in the day, uh, I need to be drinking something as well while I write, <laughs> like either coffee or tea. That really gets me in the mood. And I'm also one of those writers who has to listen to music while they write. I have like, but like, all sorts of music with lyrics, and you know, and everything. And I have like playlists for like different writing projects. I mean, for this story I wrote, I could show you my whole playlist. <laughs>
0: We should we should publish a Spotify playlist of Inissa's, uh music to accompany her Lancashire story.
1: If you want, and I just, I just say, it just has like hard rock, in need like crazy <laughs> stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that's really interesting because I I sometimes do put music on when I'm working, um, mm. and I find that uh, sometimes I will like, especially music with quite detailed lyrics. I will I'll have to switch it off because I can't focus on mm. both at the same time. Um, but yeah, I think that's really interesting that you can because I know there's like you can h- get playlists of music yes. for reading and music for writing and things which tend to be quite, um, well, they tend to be uh, orchestral or uh, you know rather mm, than
1: yeah.
0: So yeah, I think that's really. But we all have our own routines and we own our own yeah. styles, don't we? So I think that that's uh, yeah. Do you have to be in a certain place, or can you can you go out with a, a notepad and and write on a bench or in a cafe?
1: I think I can write pretty much everywhere. Like For a long time in my life in Madrid, I used to write in the train a lot because I had to take the train. And right now, as well, I have to take the train to go to work. Um, I love writing in cafes because I'm a very extrovert person, so I like being surrounded by other people. Um, I I write with people from my writing group. Um, I have a little writing group where we all uh, wake up at five. As well and we meet at five fifty-five. 55 it's actually with yvonne Battlefelton who is also part of this anthology i believe um she's wonderful so she created that group and i love it so much
0: <laughs> that's a very so. uh, very morning person group then
1: yeah <laughs>
0: um in terms of uh your influences then um what was it that you were reading um, as a young person that formed you into a writer? Was there any, anything that sparked you into th- thinking that you, you needed to write?
1: Mm. Many authors, um, and I would say many of them were actually English, and I read them in Spanish and then went back to read them in English, and it was wonderful. Uh, one of them is Roald Dahl. I mean, I you know loved, used to love his books. They blew my mind as a child. I was like, oh, my God, these plots are amazing. Um Jacqueline Wilson, as well, wrote a book that really had a huge impact on me. Um, just the one book I read by her, but I remember one of the books that... Um, I can't remember the title now, uh, but uh, yeah, maybe it'll come, it will come to me later, but yeah. And then Philip Pullman, I remember his dark materials. I read when I was like 12 years old. didn't understand half of it. <laughs> I still like, because it's so... Com- I mean, I read it in Spanish, but it's so complex, really. Such a complex book with such questions about philosophy, religion, politics. So I kind of, like, didn't understand that part. But I remember loving how dark it was. And to me, that was... That impacted me more way more than, say, Harry Potter, which was also obviously very popular at the time I was growing up. But in Philip Pullman, because there were, like, children dying and all sorts of horrible things happening. I was of horror and the gothic. So I was just, like, really blown away by, um, by his stuff. So, yeah... I think, you're just reading that, I, yeah, I just wanted to write my own stories, I guess. Mm.
0: And do you continue to read, try and read uh, quite varied, or do you have favourites?
1: I'm quite eclectic, I have to say. Like, one of the authors I admire the most right now, I would say, are people like Margaret Atwood, for example. I really love her stuff. And she touches on a, lots of different genres. Um, Ursula K. Le Guin, as well, I love. I'm a science fiction writer. Um, Scottish writer, Kirstie Logan, who also does a bit of, like, gothic and dark, and also fantasy. Um, you know, pe- but people like, as well, like, Chimamanda no- Nozi Adiche. I hope I'm pronouncing her name properly. I, <laughs> she, she wrote wonderful books, like, for example, Americana as a woman and as an immigrant. That book, again, like, really had a huge impact on me. Um, yeah, I would say I read uh, I read lots of stuff really. I just love reading. Um yeah.
0: You mentioned earlier um about LitFest. Do you want I know LitFest is is coming up really soon. Yes. Um do you want to take a this opportunity to sort of give it a give it a shout and tell people what's going on this year?
1: Yes. Yes, actually they're bringing one of my favorite writers of all times, And I say all times, I've just started reading her stuff two years ago, but I have such a crush on her. It's a literary crush. You know, like, I just love everything she writes. Um, And it's the Argentinian writer, Mariana Enrique. Um, She had one short story collection shortlisted for the International Booker Prize, The Dangers of Smoking in Bed. Uh, And she's a wonderful author, and she does write horror, uh, but uh, it's starting to get recognition by... uh, lots of people, not only so I don't believe that, you know, I don't believe in genres really, I do believe in good stories, if that makes sense. And it really it's really interesting to see how authors like Mariana Enrique are gaining that recognition beyond genre I say, as say say what one would say. So she's coming to Lit Fest. I can't wait for that. And I just hope I don't behave like a like an obnoxious fan when she <laughs> when she's there. But part of me just wants to say how much I love her stuff. Um, but all sorts of really amazing writers. Uh, Jennifer Makumbi is coming, another writer that I really, really admire. Um, then um, Daisy Johnson as well, and I'm going to be hosting her uh, event, which I'm incredibly excited about because, again, I love her stuff. Uh, yes, guys, if you can come to Lit Fest it, this year is absolutely incredible. I think it's the best yet. It's super international and He's wonderful, just please,
0: just come. <laughs> I completely uh, empathise with you about meeting people like literary heroes. I uh, yeah. t- interviewed, as part of this podcast last year, um, I got to interview Willie Vlautin, who's like one of my... He is my favourite uh, author, and I'm glad I didn't press record for the bit when we started the call because it was, it was me telling him how much I uh, enjoyed his book. Yeah, and uh, yeah, trying to, to remain calm.
1: <laughs> yes, that's the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: so I think it, at this stage it's important to to talk about the Lancashire Stories Project um, and mm-hmm. your part in it. Um, do you want to give us a, a sort of synopsis of what your story is going to um, gonna be about without giving too many spoilers away? Um,
1: so I'm writing a story set in the 18th century because I'm obsessed with the 18th century. I really love it, especially the second part with all the strange scientific discoveries. And, and as well, with um, I love all the stories about uh, all the trips with the boats to the, to the Americas and on the sea looking for the Northwest Passage. It's one of my... I love that time. Um, and I when I went to once in Lancaster to visit the Maritime Museum, which I recommend everyone visits because it blew my mind. It's pretty amazing. It's really a small in St. George's key and you kind of like never see it when you're around until you see it. And I went inside and I discovered that Lancaster actually have a port, which I was like, what? So it's just right there. Uh, kind of like where Sainsbury's the big Sainsbury's is. Uh, the river used to be way wider, kind of like open to the sea. Um, and they used to have these huge ships right there because there was a space for them. Um, so, it's set around that time in the late 18th century, and it's a story about this uh, this young boy, Ezekiel, who has been you know who was an orphan and has been adopted by a Catholic priest who has a house with children that you know are not wanted by anyone. So he just takes them in and takes care of them. Um, and Ezekiel has grown up there, and he's a 16-year-old, um, and he, he just really wants to become a priest uh, because you know he he really admires. His benefactor, and he even believes in God, and that's he knows that's his path in life. Uh, but he's told that he can't become a priest because he's black. Um, and he doesn't get it, uh, so he decides he's going to write a letter to the Pope uh, to ask him to change the rules, uh, and he does some research in the Bible who actually says, well, he believes says that it's totally possible for him to become a priest. So it's a story about how he writes this letter and what happens. And, yeah, I would say... <laughs> It gets complicated from there, as you can imagine
0: <laughs> it's, it sounds really interesting. It was one that um, when we were reading through the um, the submissions that the the expressions of interest that it really stood out um, to us, I guess because it 's you know set in across across the world at a time in history where there was a lot going mm. on um, yes uh, uh, yeah it, it's, i 'm really looking forward to reading it. I think it'll be really interesting, and i think it 's it's great to sort of juxtapose your um your history as a as a as a as a writer and you mm. know how you've 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 moved from Spain to england with yeah. the story as well it's uh you know two hundred and thirty years apart but uh yeah it's really similar
1: <laughs> yeah 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 i forgot to say that in the, it's a story as well of another character who is a spanish woman um who has a connection uh, with the sheep trade and the silk trade. For, you know, from Spain to uh, to the Americas and to New Spain. Um, yeah, so... Because Europe is such a small place in the end, isn't it? So all these connections are really easy to create.
0: And how did you find writing the story? Was it a, a challenge or was there, was there a lot of research involved?
1: Yeah, there was a, quite a lot of research involved, um, you know, because I wanted to make it as accurate, historically speaking, even though obviously, obviously it's 100% fiction. Um, so I did uh, quite a lot of reading. Um, I had one image that I had seen in the Maritime Museum, or like these actual huge boats, in uh, on the River Loon that kind of like was really inspiring to me. And I just had that while I was writing. Um, I also was lucky enough to be able to go to the archives, to the Lancashire Archives in Preston, which was amazing. Uh, shout out to all the people working there because they're incredible and super friendly <laughs> and nice. And I had a the chance they showed me these uh, maps from the time of Lancaster, which was incredible. And actually, Lancaster hasn't changed almost at all <laughs> since, the, since the 18th century, <laughs> which is really funny. Uh, but I could see all those maps, and they also allowed me to uh, see newspapers from the time, and that was really, really useful and allowed me to uh, get a few details. I really could, well, what well, I think are really cool, historical details in the story here and there to just... Um, yeah, so I would say that was really, yeah, it was really important. Going to the archives, I would say, because you can do research online and stuff like that. But as an academic, I know you can't really trust everything you see on the web. So it was great to actually go to the archives and kind of like contrast what I, what I had, and yeah.
0: Ah, that sounds great, and I'm, uh, yeah, like I've said, I'm really looking forward to reading it. Um, it's really exciting. Well, thank you very much. Innes for joining us today and uh, we look forward to hearing more about your story as uh, as we get closer to the release date of Lancashire Stories later in the year
1: Lovely, thank you so much for having me
0: You've been listening to The Reading Ramble Thank you to Innes Grigori-Labarta for joining us today You can hear more of Innes on the Excellent Wandering Bard podcast and stay tuned for the next episode of the podcast (laughs) Thank you.